This podcast is brought to you by Pastor Stormy Swan and Faith Christian Family Church of Lubbock, Texas. For more information, please visit faithchurchlubbock.com. Your guest, we welcome you. Again, we're in our series on discovering God. And so I'm going to ask you if you need a Bible to get your hand up. Once you get that, go with me to the book of Mark chapter 5. Now, the video you just saw is here in Mark 5. And it's going to be our main text this morning as far as the woman with the issue of blood. And so we're going to get into the Word of God and let the Word of God teach you. It's a great honor for me to be able to speak the Word to you today. And again, if you'd like a Bible, we'd love to get the the Word in your hand. I believe it's very important that you see the Word of God. It's a good habit to bring some form of the Bible with you. And what I mean by that, whether it's the actual Bible or it's on your cell phone, but it's important that you learn to get into the Word of God and allow allow the Word of God to shape you. You know, in saying that, in this series on discovering God, again, we, we must allow the Word of God to define who God is, His character and His heart. And once you begin to dis, uh, study the Word of God, you get an idea of God's heart. You know, that He, he never changes, that's Hebrews 13, 8, that um, He's a God of forgiveness, 1 John 1, 9, and that God loves every one of us. And so again, I must allow the Word of God to shape me. So we begin here in Mark chapter 5, verse number 25. Now a certain woman had a flow of blood for for 12 years. It's a long time in your life to have something like that. And let me just throw this in here to start with, that with the flow of blood she had, she would be viewed in their society as ceremonially unclean. Very, very similar to that of the leper. And so what that meant, that she wasn't really uh, permitted to be among the general public ever. And so this was a big deal. And you, you can imagine in her life what this did to her to a degree. She had lived very rejected. Keep reading with me. And she had suffered many things from many physicians. And she had spent all that she had and was no better, no better but rather grew worse. Now, when you read that, you realize this woman was persistent. Man, she went to doctor after doctor after doctor, and she spent all her money. And I encourage you, stay persistent in life. Keep going after things. Now, I said this in the first service, and I'm going to say it again here, that I've heard this several times in my life, but I even heard it recently, that there are ones that are using this verse right here in verse 26, to say, this shows us why we should never go to a doctor. Now, I'm going to tell you, that is a crazy thought to me, okay? Doctors are good. Doctors are a God. Many of us are here today, is the reason we're here is because of a doctor, okay? But I will highlight this to you. Doctors are human beings. And so, don't place all your trust in them. Look to God also. Begin to believe God in those areas. And so he goes on, or the scriptures go on to say in verse 27, when she heard about Jesus, something happens as human beings when we begin to hear about Jesus. When people hear about Jesus, they get saved. When people hear about Jesus, they understand how to be forgiven. In this situation, I believe she was told over and over, he heals people. He, he does miracles with people. 
I believe even so much that it was said like this, that the lame walk, the blind see, the deaf hear because of Jesus. Now, again, I want to highlight that she heard about Jesus. According to Romans 10, 17, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So the more we hear about Jesus through the scriptures, the more it builds faith. That's why it's so important that we live by the word of God. So she heard about Jesus. Then she came. Now I'm going to stop right there. Over and over on this series on discovering Jesus, how many people have we read that they came to Jesus? It's important that we recognize that also because we can come to Jesus. And and that's his desire. And when we come to Jesus, it's an act of our will. Understand this, that Jesus will never force you to come to him. Jesus will never force you to repent. Jesus waits for us openly, though. And so right here it says, she came to Jesus, and she came behind him in the crowd and touched his garment. Now, when we begin to look at she came behind him, this brings up a question. Why would she come behind him? The answer to that was she was fearful. She had a lot of shame in her life. And even so much, she was embarrassed because of the the issue of blood within her. Now, think about this just for a minute. If she wasn't really permitted to be among the general public that day, but yet she chose to do that, that's one of the reasons fear was there. Because if you got caught doing those things, it could get you in great trouble. And so right here, fear and shame was one of the reasons she came behind him. You know, fear and shame often work together. That after Adam and Eve sinned there in the garden, in Genesis chapter 3, verse 2, it says specifically, when God said, where were you? Where you been? Adam said this, I was afraid, fear, and I hid myself. And oftentimes we find passages just like this. Now, if I read all the way down through this passage... When we got to verse 33, it would said this, but the woman was fearing and in trembling. So what I begin to see in this passage here was this woman, before she touched the hem of his garment, she was fearful. While she touched the hem of his garment, she was fearful. But even after she had touched his garment, it says right there that she was fearing and trembling. Why is that such a big deal? Well, when we look at this right here, we have to to believe, can we overcome fear? Yes, we can. How do we overcome fear? Well, you got to battle fear, but you also got to reach out and face it with faith. And one of the things, or one of the ways we overcome fear is we operate by faith. We begin to believe the scriptures, and and, uh, James 2.26 says that faith without works is dead. So in order to go after her, sometimes you just got to face it. And in this passage right here, it seems kind of strange, but this woman was operating in fear and in faith at the same time. Is that possible? Yeah, it's possible. The, the, The key here for every one of us, though, is I can't allow my fear to keep me from operating in faith. Fear will say, don't do it, don't do it. So let me give you a couple analogies here. That just this week in thinking about this happens. I remember years ago, I was down in Dallas and we went to this big water park. 
And in order to get to this one water slide, you had to, to climb the stairs, and they were about 10 stories or 10 flights high. Some of you may remember the water slide I'm talking about. And on the way up to that water slide, oftentimes you would see people coming down. You know why they were coming down? Because it's called the walk of shame. They freaked out and said, I can't do that. And so they go back down the stairs. Well, I remember going all the way up, and you know, the higher you go up, the, the, the more you realize this is something else. And so I remember specifically getting up there, and there were two different uh, slides that went down, and I was looking over that one just like that, and the little lifeguard said to me, he said, hey, when you start out, it's like you free fall 14 feet before your back actually hits the slide and you catch. Well, when he said that to me, I'm looking like, you got to be kidding. I said, how fast do you go down that? And he said, oh, at least 50 mile an hour. And then he said, you know what it really is, sir? And I said, what's that? And he said, it's the ultimate wedgie. He said, get ready. Well, I'm sitting there looking at him. And so the longer I stand here and look over at it, the more fear. How many of you have ever been there? Man, your heart's a boom, 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 boom. And so I have fear all going on the inside of me. But you know what? I'm not going to let that slide whip me. I'm not walking back down. I'm not doing that. Thank you for that encouragement. It's right. We're not doing that. And so, man, I went down that thing. And, of course, it was the ultimate wedgie, I remember. But And so that was an analogy. Yes, I had fear within me right there. But I went ahead and acted on what I thought I could do. Well, that's what the Bible wants to do. How many of you have ever been to some of those roller coasters in Six Flags and you're waiting in line and you begin to thought, am I getting ready to go through those two loops? Upside down, backwards and all the above. And your heart is pounding, but guess what? You go ahead and get on there and do it. When I was a kid, I grew up in this really, really incredible swimming pool in Oklahoma. It had the highest and the most springiest diving board I've ever been on in my life. And I remember as a little boy, it wasn't a big deal to go off the low board. I mean, anybody can go off the low board. But man, we'd get up there on that high board and you, you would have the fear just pounding, just pounding. And I remember many times saying, not today, I'm not doing that today. But when you have an older brother who double dog dares you, I mean, your heart may be pounding at heart, but when they double-dog dare, you know, that's a big deal. And so I remember going off that, and I didn't. I thought, man, Lord, I hope I live through this. Again, oftentimes in life, that's exactly how we are in the area of faith. And I believe that's how she was, that she was fearing and trembling, but she didn't allow her fear to keep her from acting on what she had heard about Jesus. And often that's how fear tries to play us. And then even the areas of the shames in our life, we don't want to be noticed at all. Back to the passage there. Go with me to verse 28. For she said, If only I may touch the clothes, I shall be made well. Immediately the fountain of her blood was dried up and she felt in her body that she was healed of the affliction. So here this woman is on fear. And she hears about Jesus. And she begins to voice her expectation. When I touch the hem of his garment, 
I shall be made well. Now, if you're in this room right now, and let's just say you've had certain type of pain in your body for 12 years. If you were healed of the affliction, you would know that immediately. Can you imagine what's going on on the inside of this woman knowing what had just taken place? Knowing something that had happened in her body has now ceased. Keep reading verse 30. And Jesus immediately knowing himself that power had gone out of him, turned around in the crowd and said, who touched my clothes? So the woman knows what takes place and Jesus knows something just happened. And he says, who touched me? Now remember here in this passage how many times it mentions there were crowds of people. There were people bumping in him and touching him over and over. Verse 31. But his disciples said to him, you see the multitude thronging you and you say, who touched me? And Jesus looked around to see her who had done this thing. Now, why would Jesus have done this? Why did God or Jesus bring or call attention to this woman? Why did he make such a big deal about it? Was Jesus wanting to embarrass her? Look at verse 33, and I I think this will tell us a little bit about this. But the woman, fearing and trembling, knowing what had happened to her, came and fell down before him and told him the whole truth. Now remember... There's masses of people there. You know why Jesus wanted to highlight this woman? Something happens when other people hear the testimonies that God's done for us. And can you imagine when she begins to tell the story? I heard about you. I heard that you're the healer. I heard that you heal the sick. That you're the one of miracles. And I begin to believe that if I reached out by faith and touched the hem of your garment, what would take place? And so right here, Jesus loves this. That when we brag about what he does and we tell other people, this is what the Lord Jesus still does to this day. And so in this passage right here, this is one of the ways we discover God. That God is a God of faith. God is a God that's moved when we step out and believe That he still is the healer. Now I want you to go to the book of Matthew chapter 9. And the reason we're going to Matthew chapter 9. Is this is the same passage of scripture we just read. But it's Matthew's view. There's a couple things in here that I believe will help. Especially in the area of faith. Matthew chapter 9 verse 20. And suddenly a woman who had a flow of blood for 12 years came from behind and touched the hem of his garment. For she said to herself, for she said to herself, now I want you to think just a little bit about what's going on here. Fear is swarming in her thoughts. Fear is trying to say, don't do it, don't do it. But it says right here, she said to herself, Now listen to some of the other translations. The Amplified says, For she kept saying to herself. This, this, it it notes here 
that over and over she kept saying to herself, when I touch the hem of his garment, I shall be made well. When I touch the hem of his garment, I shall be made well. Something happens when we begin to speak what we're believing out of our mouth. Romans 10 verse 8 says, the word of God is near you in your mouth and in your heart. So now one of the things we learn or we discover right here is that when we begin to voice our expectations or our prayers that we've said to God, God will move. Now, in reading this right here, she said over and over again, I believe she began to to, to talk herself into acting. I believe she said it so much that she had in the back of her mind, when I touch the hem of his garment, I shall be made well. When I touch the hem of his garment, she'll be well. So guess what? Her faith was speaking. How do we know her faith was speaking? Well, look at the very next verse, what Jesus says to her. For she said, if only I may touch his garment, I shall be made well. But Jesus turned around, and when he saw her, he said, be of good cheer, daughter. Your faith has made you well. He didn't say his faith. He didn't say Uncle Buck's faith. He said, your faith has made you well. Now we go back and we put all this together. When she heard about Jesus, something happens when me and you begin to hear the word of God. And then she said out of her mouth, And so again, all this is over and over. This is how you get born again. You believe with the heart. And you speak with the mouth. Faith in any arena operates this way. If you look at how you got saved, you heard the word of God. And then there was an altar call given. And you stepped out and you received Jesus as Lord of your life. You believe the scriptures. When you got born again, was there anybody in here that Jesus appeared to you and said, Hey, I'm Jesus. Welcome to heaven, buddy. I don't know if any of us had that. I didn't have that. I remember they began to talk to me about a man who died for me, who went to hell for me, who took my place. And they said, He wants to forgive you. And if you'll confess your sin and receive Him as Lord as your life, you'll be saved. And I remember acting on that scripture. See, it's the same thing in every arena of faith. We hear the word of God, and then we choose to act on it, and we receive the things of God. How many of you figured out? You don't earn salvation. You don't earn healing. You believe what Jesus did on the cross for each one of us. Now, I don't know if you've ever seen it, but the Bible in many scriptures It has salvation and healing. It goes hand in hand. It's almost like they complement each other. Now I want you to go to Psalm 103, the 103rd Psalm. And we're going to work our way just a few few passages in the Old Testament. And then we're going to get back to the New Testament. But I want you to see this in the Bible. And I believe this is going to speak to our hearts in many areas. Psalm 103, verse 1. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that's within me, I bless His holy name. You know, I try to live that. There's times in my life that I I do better at griping and complaining than blessing the Lord. 
Something happens when I just choose to bless the Lord. Do you know King David said, I'll bless the Lord at all times? He didn't say, I'll just bless the Lord when, when my day's real good. He said, I'll bless the Lord at all times. We ought to be that way. We ought to be so thankful. He goes in verse 2, bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. Don't ever forget the Lord's benefits. Now, many of us, we didn't realize that we have a benefit package as children of God. You do. Here's number one in verse three. Who forgives, and the word forgives there means he pardons. He spares someone of their burden of their offense. Who forgives all your iniquities. The word iniquities there is a form of sin. The only way I get forgiven is if I confess my sin and I ask him to forgive me. But it's interesting here to me that he says he forgives all your sins. That's salvation. When you get born again, you repent of your sins and you ask Jesus to come into your heart. So the first benefit that he gives us is the benefit of forgiving all your sins. Now, If you were a good sinner, you missed a great chance to say amen. Ooh, amen. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. He forgives us of all our sins. Benefit number two, same verse. Who heals all your diseases. Now, the Lord not only forgives iniquities, but it says right here, He heals all your disease or your sickness. What a benefit here. And in this verse right here, you see salvation and healing. Do you believe that God forgives? I believe God forgives. Do you believe God forgives? So in order to be forgiven, I step out by faith. And I I pray and I ask Him to forgive me. But how many of us in this room believe God heals? Now it's interesting too, if you ever partake of the communion elements, the blood or the cup, the juice you drink, signifies the blood of Jesus, which was for the remission of sins. But the broken body of Jesus, the bread that you partake, that represents his broken body. That was shed for me and you, so it means healing. Now, you hear many ministers say this right now. Well, God is the God who saves, but God doesn't heal no more. How many of you have ever heard that? God doesn't heal no more. I've heard that and I've heard that. And I would always say, well, show me in the scriptures where it says God doesn't do that no more. Because it's interesting in God's benefit package plan. He says he saves, he forgives, and he heals. So again, in discovering God, we've got to let the word of God define who God is. I don't want a bunch of... uh, 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 Doubt and unbelief preachers to decide for me that. So the, the thing for every one of us is we got to understand, what does the Bible say? My Bible says he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. So if he healed in the Old Testament, does he heal in the New Testament? Turn to Isaiah 53. Isaiah 53. Now all I'm doing here is I'm, I'm going from cross-reference to cross-reference. This is Isaiah 53, verse 4. Surely he, talking about Jesus, has borne our griefs. 
That Greek word right there for griefs is your sickness and my sickness. And carried our sorrows. The Greek word for sorrows there is our pain. Okay? Yet we esteem him stricken, smitten by God, and afflicted. Verse 5. But Jesus was wounded for our transgressions. Transgressions are our wickedness or forms of sin. Aren't you glad he, he forgives or he was wounded for our transgressions? Now watch what he says next. And he was bruised for our iniquities, our rebellion, our sins. This is salvation right here. And he ends in verse 5 and says, The chastisement for our peace was upon him, and by his stripes we are healed. Huh. I want you to hold the thought, we are healed, okay? Because that comes back to play later. When Isaiah prophesied this, Jesus hadn't died on the cross yet, okay? But he says, and by his stripes, we are healed. Now, we're going to jump in the New Testament. Go to the book of Matthew, chapter 8. Matthew, chapter number 8. Verse 16 and 17. When evening had come, they brought to him, here they are again, bringing people to Jesus, many who were demon-possessed, and he cast out the Spirit with the word, and he healed all who were sick, that it might be fulfilled which was spoken by Isaiah the prophet, saying, he himself took our infirmities, our sins, and he bore our sicknesses. He was to suffer for our sins and our sickness. Now, here's a great thought off of that last verse right there. If our, the word our, O-U-R, means all of us in regard to our sin and being given a Savior, then it also means of all of us to regard to sickness. So if He saved every one of us, then He's healed every one of us too. One last passage here. Go to the book of 1 Peter chapter 2 at the very end of the Bible. 1 Peter chapter 2. You know, years ago, my brother, uh, when he was young, about seven years old, he had a, a tumor the size of a tennis ball on his clavicle right here. And they removed all that, and he went through a lot of chemo. And um, I remember them telling my mother and my father that he'll never live out of his teenage years. He'll never make it. He is uh, 58 now. He's still here. And many of us in this room, we've been healed by people laying hands on us or praying for us, or we've seen family members healed. And I remember when he was in his 30s on two different occasions, that he had a pretty tight shirt on one day. And we were in his office praying on a Sunday morning, and he said, I want, I want all you guys in here praying to lay hands on me. Now, if you've never had that done, that's Mark 16, verse 15. 
It said, these signs shall follow those who believe. In my name, you'll lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. And so he said to us, you guys lay hands on me and pray for me. And, and that day, it was about the size of a golf ball. And we laid hands on him and we prayed. And about six weeks later, he came walking back in and he said, I want you to see the goodness of God. And he was gone. Gone. I mean, gone. I'd seen that happen to him on two different occasions. And so through many years of my life, I would hear people say this. Well, God doesn't heal no more. And I, I would look at them like, what do you mean God doesn't heal no more? Number one, the Bible says that God heals. And let's let the word of God define who God is and what he does. But you can't tell me that God doesn't heal anymore because I saw the power of the name of Jesus in my own brother. And so what's happened many times is we've gotten away from the Bible. We've gotten away from what the Bible says. Now in this verse I'm fixing to read, you're going to see salvation and healing. Now watch what he says. This is 1 Peter 2 verse 24. who himself bore our sins in his own body on the tree, that we, having died to sins, might live for righteousness. Now look what he said. Jesus himself bore our sins. I'm grateful for that. Thank you, Lord Jesus, you took my sins. That's salvation. And he ends this verse and he says, And by whose stripes... You were healed. Now remember a minute ago I said in Isaiah 53, 5, he said, By whose stripes you were healed. Remember when Isaiah prophesied that Jesus hadn't died. But here when Peter talks about this, Jesus has already gone to the cross. And when Jesus was on the cross, you know what he died for? Not only for our salvation, but he died for healing. And so right here it's, it's past tense. It says... You were healed. Do you know when Jesus died on the cross, every one of us were saved? But we didn't become saved until we acted on it. This is the same right here. Let me ask you today. How many of you in this room believe you're born again right now? I believe I'm born again. How do I know that? Because the scriptures tell me. I believe the word of God. I've never seen Jesus yet. I'm not opposed to seeing Jesus. But my salvation wasn't based on that. How many in this room have ever been healed by Jesus? Go ahead and raise your hands. Get all the hands go up. See a couple questions today. How many in this room need to be saved today? I remember as a young man, and I didn't know anything about the things of God, I had this thought in my mind. You know what? Once I get my stuff together, then I'm going to start going to church. That didn't happen that way. You just come to Jesus just as you are. And I, I clearly remember as a 19-year-old as a walking the aisle to give my heart to Jesus. 
I kept hearing the scriptures. I kept hearing talk that, that he loves you. He died for you. And it would wear me out understanding that there was a guy who died for me. And so I walked that aisle that day and I said, Lord Jesus, I ask you to come into my heart. And thank God I've never been the same. How many of you today are in this room right now? And you need to be healed right now. See, there may be many of you in here. Multitudes of you in here. And again, I don't want to make you believe the Scriptures. I want you to believe the Scriptures. I want you to look at the Word of God just how it was spoken today and realize our God saves and our God heals. And let the Word of God define who He is. But I believe this with all of my heart, that He heals. I was 20 years old. And I was living in Tulsa, Oklahoma. And daily they had this, this school they called Prayer and Healing School. And I would go to this school and I, I didn't understand what was going on. But they would preach the Word of God. And people would come and, and have them lay hands on them. And I would think, why are they laying hands on them? Because the Bible told them to. And I never forget this to this day. That there was a young boy, probably 10. And they went down and they began to pray over him. Just, just this simple right here. They just laid hands on him and said, Father God, in the name of Jesus, we loose your healing power over him. And so I'm sitting there watching this. And I remember the man who prayed for him after he finished, he did this. He snapped his fingers just like that. And I could hear him and I thought, wonder what he's doing. And the mama that was next to the 10-year-old boy, she begins to weep uncontrollably. And she begins to testify and she says, my 10-year-old son was born deaf. He's never heard before in his life. And when he snapped his fingers, this little boy's head starts turning. He's hearing for the first time in his life. And I looked and I'm thinking, oh my gosh, that's a miracle. And I've never forgot those Jesus moments like that. And I believe he does it again and he wants to do it again. But it comes back to us as the church saying, I'm going to believe the scriptures. I don't care what this denomination or that denomination preaches. I just want to believe the Bible. And when the Great Commission, he says, these signs shall follow those in my name. You'll lay hands on the sick and they'll recover then. Why don't we just let the Bible be the Bible? What would happen if we just begin to trust God and believe God? Thank you for listening today. For more information, please visit faithchurchlubbock.com.